Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert and my heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, 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 I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord, that our confession is not just something we do by tradition, but we believe the words that come out of our mouths, that we would never be the same. Restoring the church, part three. And this is living in grace. And what we're doing here is we're going through the book of Galatians. Uh, Paul wrote to the church in in Galatia, and uh, he was not only encouraging them, but correcting them in some things because Paul was an apostle, as you'll read here in Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. It says, Paul, an apostle. But it doesn't leave it there. It explains, set not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. See how they mentioned Jesus Christ there. And then he continues, and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia, Three, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So nice, right? What a great way to start a letter in a book to uh, the church. Who gave himself for our sins. Who's this Jesus? Who's this Lord Jesus Christ? He's the one that gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He basically starts off by saying them peace to you and, you know, so nice to greet you. And, and this is the gospel I left with you. And, and you know, I was sent by, by God, not by man. And, you know, we, we talked about this. There's a, 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 a Gus has been making these shorts. He has a ministry, actually, um, that he's working with a lot of other churches. And they make they take shorts out of these sermons and they put them on Facebook. They put them on YouTube, on all the different social medias and different places. And, and people get to see them. And there's a couple of them that are just, uh, I want to say viral, but, you know, viral used to be just a few thousand. Now we're talking, you know, if you're not over 10,000, you're not really popular, you know. But, uh, but we're up there in a couple thousand uh, people. What's interesting is that these people are not church-going people, which is awesome, right? So these are people, and, you know, I, I, what do they call it, uh, Facebook stalking? So I Facebook stalked a couple of people, and I noticed that they were worldly by their pictures and their postings and stuff. A few of them from Louisiana. Isn't that awesome? Even, even God loves the people in Louisiana. <laughs> and <laughs> That was a joke, by the way. Well, don't make a short out of that one. But uh, then this, the, the people that are looking at my shorts from there are going to say, oh, I don't like this guy anymore. But, uh, but anyway, it's really interesting how they're going there and they're seeing that. And, and the one that's really going, uh, uh, the two that are going viral, I don't like calling it that, but that, are, uh, that a lot of people are watching, one of them is about honoring the position of the pastor. 
And the other one is about uh, the gospel. It's a basic understanding of when you receive Jesus, it doesn't make you better than anyone else. It only makes you better than you, right? And just because you're a Christian doesn't make you better than those that are not Christians. And that one's really, people are like watching that one because this is not, I don't want to say the norm, but it's not what you're hearing normally from Christianity, right? Christianity is something that you come into and it makes you this, you know, godly, accepted person but what we don't understand is that everyone's accepted and then but we put a wall between us and those that don't know jesus and that's not the gospel that's not the gospel at all so paul would go into these towns and plant churches and preach the gospel and move on to the next town but the jewish christians the messianic jews came back and said yeah it's okay we believe that jesus is the messiah he gave himself for us but you cannot remove circumcision this is a big deal for us and we want to continue to do this so the church for a short time there before the jews came back in the men were like all relieved and now they're all like oh we're going back to that (laughs) right and they tried to intermingle the, the, the do's and don'ts and the you have to do this and if you don't do that, and, and, right? And it became a, a, a works religion rather than a grace gospel. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, it says, I am astonished, astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in grace. Everybody say grace of christ and are turning to a different gospel so if the gospel that paul preached was was about grace what it's saying here is the new gospel is not about grace anymore which is really no gospel at all it's not good news at all that we don't live under this grace evidently somebody some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of christ so the book of Galatians simply, as I said, is, is a, a, a book written to the church in Galatia today, and uh, he's correcting what they've turned into the gospel. So part one was living in the tree of life, and we spoke, we went back to Genesis, and we spoke about the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and how from the very beginning, man has been trying to do things by his own power. Then we have uh, part two, living the crucified life, where we have to die so that he can live you know, we have this saying, I'm willing to die for, for Christ. If that's awesome, you should. But the question is, are you live, willing to live for Christ? That's a different thing, right? I'm willing to die for my wife. Yeah, but are you willing to live for your spouse? That's a whole nother, a whole nother step there, right? So today we're going to be talking about living in grace. So starting in Galatians 3, we see Paul going back to reinforce the gospel once again. It seems to be an issue here. Because he mentions it through the chapters over and over again. It's almost like he can't move on and, and, and say something else. If you read, um, let me pick a, an epistle, uh, uh, Philippians. If you read through Philippians, you see that he's rejoicing with them. And, that, and then he, the chapters kind of move on. And then he's, he's changing what he's saying to them. But here, he's really stuck in this. He's really like trying to, to hit it home. Like You have to go back to the gospel that I left there, the foundation of the church. And now he steps it up even farther in Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 in the New Living Translation. And he goes, oh, you stupid... Gal- no, I'm sorry. You, you foolish... I used the S word. My kids were growing up and they said, oh, and, you know, they would 
snitch on each other. And they say, oh, so-and-so, my sister used the S word. Oh, man, we're like wondering what it is. It's just stupid. So number one, oh, foolish Galatians. That's pretty serious. Who has cast an evil spell on you? That sounds very spiritual to me and very dark all at the same time. The meaning of the the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. I, I, I wrote a, a, a thesis on communion when I was in, uh, in Bible college. I had to write, I, I wrote two different ones. I wrote one uh, at the end of the first year. I had to write one. I wrote, uh, how does God love, uh, how is God love when he kills you know, multitudes of people in the Old Testament. And then, uh, well, I'm not going to go into all that, but then he, he, I wrote another one on communion only to find out the second year that my professor, uh, uh, Dr. Brewer, he had wrote his thesis when he became, uh, got his uh, PhD in, in theology and worship, uh, that he wrote his on communion. But <laughs> so when I, when I did that, I realized, I started to, to see what communion was and I realized that communion is a picture. Jesus was reminding us, you, you ever have a picture of a loved one that has passed or, or even a picture of a, of a place you've been? And what do you do? When you look at that picture, you remember. Do this in remembrance of me. And you look at that picture and Jesus said, here, I'm going to leave you a picture so you don't forget what I look like. You don't forget who I am. You don't forget that my body was broken for you and my blood was shed for you. For the remission of your sins. It's a reminder of those two simple things, which again is the gospel, right? So he says, uh, for the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was clear to you, as you have seen in the picture of his death on the cross. Verse 2. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ, hence the gospel. How foolish can you be? How, how dumb, how, how foolish can you be? <laughs> After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? You cast an evil, who cast an evil spell on you? This evil spell in Greek is baskaino, and it means to be bewitched. Some of you are old enough to remember that show. So uh, the evil spell is to be bewitched, which is broken down to to mean to fascinate with false representations. I want to sit here for a minute on this word fascinate. We are people who love fascination. We love to see the miracles of God. We love to, and and that's okay. We love to to have the spirit move and, and have something outside of the norm happen. But there's nothing more powerful and more spiritual and more of a move of God than someone accepting the gospel as truth and having salvation come into their life and them having eternal life from that moment on. Nothing more powerful than that. If, if you were in a wheelchair and, and you know, you, you, you're 
legs were hadn't moved in 30 years and you come in and we pray over your legs and you get and we believe that that happens and you and you your legs begin to move and you get up and you go and you run around the temple right and you have a great old time we're going to be covering that this coming Wednesday night at discipleship class in Acts chapter 3 but you know, the man that was sitting outside the temple but you, you get up and then people are like wow but then that same person does not want to receive Jesus we're still so fascinated by what happened that we celebrate the healing of his legs rather than mourning the fact that they don't want Jesus. Knowing what we know, being on this side of the gospel, I would rather that person be saved than healed, even though God paid for both. Even though he paid for both. We believe in both. I'm not saying you have to give one up for the other. I'm not saying that. But if they have faith enough to receive the gospel, that's eternal. The fascination we have, and, and right now it's happening. People are flying in from all over the world and trying to go to these different, uh, uh, what, they're, what is, I mean, let me be very careful here. What is revival in these places? Let, let, me, let me put this out there and I'm going to move on. What if the Spirit of God is moving here in the same power as it is everyone, everywhere else, but we've become accustomed to it that we don't call it revival anymore. I've been in places where I've just prayed, a simple prayer, and, and someone that's there that, that's never experienced God or, or the presence of God, and when I'm done praying, I don't feel anything. I just pray to God. It, I don't go into, into the, you know, I don't do the chicken dance and start yelling hallelujah and do nothing like that. I just, I just pray a simple prayer. And then I look up and people are weeping and crying. And wow, there's such a presence. And you're like, I didn't feel anything. We're fascinated by what we feel and by what we write. And that's what they did. They came in and they said, you're fascinated by this stuff. Who, who put this fascination on you? Who gave you this false representation? Paul is asking them, who bewitched you and fascinated you to go back to the wrong tree or to the wrong gospel? Then he reiterates the meaning of Jesus Christ's death. Here's the gospel again. He's like repeating himself like, hey, you guys didn't get it the first time? Here it is. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed what? The message. You heard about Christ. And then he says, the gospel. Right? Which you heard about Christ, which is the gospel. Only the Holy Spirit has the power to change you. Let him. We want to... We want to change by our actions. We want to change by what we do. We want to, no, only the Holy Spirit has the power to change you. I believe the Holy Spirit has the power to do whatever the Word says it will do. And, you know, we do things, I don't want to say different because then it sounds like we're a cult, but <laughs> uh, when we pick up tithes and offerings here, I don't push, I don't pull, I present it to you. And then you do, because giving is not for us, it's for you. It's not for new life. It's for you. It blesses you when you give. And then what does God do with that? He takes what man gives here, he receives it in heaven, and then he provides for the church to continue to do what it's called to do. I let the Holy Spirit do that. The Holy Spirit does a much better job than I could ever do with a thousand words and 20 scriptures and trying to make you feel guilty for not writing a bigger check. 
It no work. <laughs> How foolish can you be? Jesus paid the bill. Why are you trying to? You ever, you ever been in a restaurant and someone pay your bill? I know it doesn't happen to everybody, but it's happened to me several times. And you don't know who it is? So one time we had gone on an uh, encounter, uh, retreats we had them. It was, I think it was a marriage retreat because at the, at the restaurant there were uh, uh, husbands and wives. So I think it was a, a marriage retreat. And we had gone to, I want to say Chili's. I, I think it was Chili's. And uh, it was probably, I don't know, maybe 20 of us. And we had, they put a bunch of tables together for us, and we all sat around. We were celebrating what an awesome weekend. It was after our Sunday service, and we're all eating, and we're all having a great time and everything. And the Lord speaks to me and says, you can go ahead and, and, and cover. And we weren't, you know, we weren't, we're, we still aren't, but we weren't in a place where, you know, we can just throw money around, you know. So, but I said, okay, Lord, so after... And if the Lord ever speaks to you to do this for somebody at the table where you're sitting, always tell them that you're paying after they order. Don't tell them before they order. It's just a little trick there. But uh, just remember that. It's the only thing you have to remember. But do it. Do what the Holy Spirit tells you. So I told, the, you know, I'm looking across the table thinking, oh, my. So I said, listen, I'm going to take care of. And I was one of the main ministers at the, at the marriage retreat and all that. So I told him, I said, listen. I'm going to take care of this for you. And they all, oh, wow, you know. So um, then, they, then they ordered dessert. I should have waited just a couple more minutes. They ordered dessert, and they got dessert, the, the lava cakes or something, whatever they make their chilies. And they ordered these things. And, and uh, I'll never forget, the bill came, and it was for $13. So I looked at the waiter, and I was like, what's up with that? He goes, oh, somebody paid your bill before they ordered dessert. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what's left. So I asked the waiter, I said, did they give you a, a good tip? He said, yeah. And so I gave him an even better tip, which was much, much less than paying the bill. And we looked around, I'm looking around, I'm looking around, I'm looking around. And, you know, I guess somebody either overheard us talking about our weekend and, and you know, and we prayed fairly loud because it was a, a, you know, a big room there. And um, so we prayed, I, got, I don't know, somebody got moved and they paid our bill. So when that bill came for $13, the bill could have been anywhere, probably around $300 or maybe more, because uh, I was already doing the math in my head. <laughs> I wonder I got to take money out of my savings to, to pay this thing. But, uh, you know, I'm doing the, the counting in my head. So I figured it'd be about three, maybe $400 uh, for the bill. There's a lot of people there. And I'm looking across, and the guy brings me that bill for $13. I didn't turn around and say, no, 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 no. Bring me the original bill. I'm going to pay it. No, no, it al it's already been paid. The person who paid it already left. We can't even try and give them back what they paid for. Why do we do that with Jesus? If he paid the price, why do we try to step in? If you want to, we can make a, maybe this might be a little small, but we'll make a bigger cross and we'll nail you to it then you could pay because he already did. Wow. He already paid. Why don't we try by our own workings, by our own doings, by, right, by our own human effort, we try to pay back a bill that's already been paid? Listen to this saying. Hell is not a place that God sends people that he's mad at to punish them. Isn't that what religion teaches? Hell is a place where people can pay for their own sins if they want to. 
If he already paid, see, God's not saying, oh, you're a sinner, I'm going to send you there. No, he says, listen, I'm giving you grace. I'm giving you Jesus. I'm paying the price through the death of my only begotten son. I'm going to pay that blood that he shed. It wipes away all sin from your life. All you got to do is accept it. Accept it into your life. Accept my grace, my mercy, my love, my payment for what you should be paying for. Accept that. And people say, oh, why God created hell so he could throw people there. No. That's where you end up if you don't accept what he already did for you by grace. It's not punishment. Somebody has to pay. The restaurant wasn't going to go, oh, yeah, you guys can go. It's okay. Somebody had to pay. Somebody did pay. All we have to do is accept it. If not, you end up paying with eternity. Who cast a spell on you? How foolish can you be? In Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, All who rely on observing the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. From the curse of the law. So when we love to say that Jesus redeemed us from the law, right? But the law has things in there that fall under the new commandment, love God with all your heart, all your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Those two commandments cover all the, of the law. It encompasses everything. If you say, well, Jesus redeemed us from the law. The law is gone. No, the law is there. What he redeemed us for us was from the curse of not being able to follow that law. Because yes. then we just... just, just Throw away the Ten Commandments. Just, just go kill people. It's no longer he took care of that. Let's, uh, you know, covet the neighbor's wife. And let's go commit adultery. And let's, right? And go right on through there. Let's go ahead. and These things are still not okay. <laughs> right? There's still uh, uh, consequences, which is different than punishment. Consequences for those things. So he redeemed us from the curse of the law. Why do we still try to live according to the law to be able to be redeemed when he already did it? James chapter 2, verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of it all. <laughs> That's pretty rough. See, the law could not be obeyed. Galatians 3.19. What then was the purpose of the law? God wanted you frustrated so that you can do it by your own work so you would uh, seek another way, right? <laughs> That's my own words, by the way. But, you know, you, you tried, they tried doing it. They couldn't. That's why there was a, the sacrifice of animals. That's why there was bloodshed. That's why there was all these things that happened. Galatians 3, 24 through 25 in uh, Good News Translation, it says, And so the law was in charge of us until Christ came in order that we might then be put right with God through faith. That we might be put right with God through faith. Not works, but faith. Now that the time for faith is here, the law is no longer in charge of us. It doesn't say the law doesn't exist. 
It says the law is not in charge of us anymore, right? It couldn't be obeyed. So why the law? Why did God do that? It was a, a, a tutor, as, as it's called in another scripture. It says it's a teacher or a tutor. It points the way to Jesus. It reveals our fallen nature. Because we were born of Adam first, of the flesh, which came in with, through the blood of Adam, which is blood that was in sin. But now we're born again under the new blood, which is of Jesus, which had no sin. Right? That's the only way that we could live this way is by accepting Jesus and becoming a new creation under Jesus Christ or under his bloodline. I want to be under Jesus' bloodline, not Adam's. He was the, it's, it calls him the last Adam. We love to say, or, or sometimes that's translated, we, we say it this way, he said the second Adam. No, because <laughs> he's the last one, right? He's the last one. The law leads us to Christ. Galatians 3.24, the law was our guardian, right? Our guardian, sometimes it uses the word tutor, until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. Not do right, suddenly do right. Not do right, but made right. God made us right. He gave us the gift of righteousness. Righteousness means right standing with God. He made us right. We don't have to, we have to do right, but we don't get there because we do right. He made us that way by accepting what Jesus did on the cross. So here we are, living by grace or living in grace. Number one, grace is a gift. Grace is a gift. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ, through Christ Jesus our Lord. You ever heard this saying, we make money the old-fashioned way. We earn it. The older people, ah, ha, ha. the young people say, what? I never heard that before. We have religion the old-fashioned way. We earn it. No. Thank God we don't get what we earn. <laughs> right thank god we don't get what we earn that's grace right there you're not going to get what you deserve which is death you're going to get what you don't deserve which is eternal life see god is offering you redemption I, you know, I used this once. I, I used to, uh, uh, I wasn't in prison ministry, but I was in, in, invited to the prison several times. I did one during a, a Christmas <laughs> uh, uh, service in, in the prison. And we each had, it was like four pastors. We each had about 15 minutes each. The pastor before me, uh, uh, he riled them up, and it was a little weird because when I got up there, they were already almost coming out of their chairs. And there's like two or 300 uh, uh, prisoners there, and there's like, Four guards. I'm thinking, how are they? If these people decide to riot here, what's going to happen? You know, but we, you know, he stood up and he goes, "Don't let the fences and the barbed wire determine your freedom." The guards all <laughs> right because they're talking spiritual. But who's understanding that? They're like they're already looking at the fences. You know, let's get out of here. And then it was my turn, and I began to minister to them and tell them 
that there is a certain amount of freedom that comes with the grace of God receiving Jesus as their, because I was the last one. And during, during uh, I'll tell you this real quick, during while I was ministering, I had my 15 minutes, about five minutes into it, a guy comes walking down the sidewalk, comes in the back of the tent and stabs a guy in the back, uh, in the back row. Uh, and, and I'm thinking, you know, everybody turn, gets up, the guy's yelling, he's screaming, there's blood, I can see blood. I'm like in a movie. This is like outrageous. So I'm looking and, you know, and then I stop, I have a mic, a wired mic, you know, and I'm standing there like this. And the guard comes up, and the stage is about this tall off the ground. The, the, he comes up and grabs me by the arm, and he goes, and I'm thinking, he's going to remove me, right? He says, keep going. <laughs> I'm thinking, there's people out of their chairs. There's chairs falling on the ground. This guy's in the back. They're trying to grab the guy with, the, with whatever he stuck him with, you know, with his toothbrush or whatever he sharpened, right? And, and all this is going on, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back to... And, I, and, and sure enough, he knew what he was doing because I started talking again, and they all turned around and sat down. It's like their buddies on the ground bleeding out, and they're like, oh, I think he'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> but I told them, grace is a gift. It's a gift. It's given to you. And it's hard because they're sitting there paying the price, or the consequence is probably a good word, for the things that they did illegally. And I was trying to get them to understand that spiritually, there's a consequence for the things they did. But that was paid for. And then I went on to tell them, how many of you, and you know, you try to be a little funny when you're in prison, things aren't as funny. But uh, I said, how many of you ever been in court? They all have, they're in prison, right? So they waved their hands at me, you know, a couple of them, the other ones are sitting there looking at me like, what do you think I am, you know? So... Um, uh, you know, I said, and you had a, a, a lawyer or an attorney or, you know, a public defender. And ah, rah, rah, a couple of them were grunting and like they must have not had a very good public defender. But um, so I said, imagine at the end, you know, you get to the end of, of the trial and they find you guilty and they read off what you've, what you've done. We find you guilty of this. We find you guilty of that. And then sentencing comes. I said, you know, and it, I, did, I was about to, I had it in my notes to ask, you know, how many of you are not guilty? They, they all would have raised their hand. But, um, you know, I, I, I went to that part. I said, when the lawyer stood up and you stood up to receive your sentencing, and they said, your sentencing is this, three years, five years, ten years in jail, whatever it is, right? This is your sentencing. And after that, wouldn't it have been incredible if the lawyer would have raised his hand and said, your honor, I will serve his sentence. He's free to go today. I will serve whatever the sentencing is for him or for her. That's what Jesus did. He is our advocate. The Bible calls him our advocate. He's our advocate. We were found guilty. I don't know about your file, but my file was pretty thick. You couldn't see the judge. I w I've never been in jail, so that's just a... My mom's like... You were in jail? I didn't know that. <laughs> She's still finding out stuff that I did when I was a kid. Remember that time? Yeah, that really didn't happen like that. I lied to you. But, um, when, it's mainly when I was a, before Jesus, before Jesus. But that's exactly what grace is. You were found guilty. It, it doesn't take away the things we did. It takes away the punishment for the things we did.
Number two, grace is received by faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. That is not from yourselves. It is a gift. Everybody say gift. Gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Not by works so that no one can boast. That's what happens. We want to live. We live right. We, we dress right. We carry a big Bible. We talk right. We do things. You know, we don't, we don't harm anybody. We give. We, do, we, you know, we follow these rules that we've created ourselves, by the way. We follow these. This is what a Christian looks like. Thank God God doesn't look upon us and say, whoa, well, that, that guy's got it together. Look at him. Let's just do what he does. We've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. Not one of us. Can God pull aside and say, that one's better than the rest? Not one of us, but there was one. And the one that did finally do it ended up on there. To pay for us, because only pure blood can wash away sin. And his was pure. Faith is... Not just a belief, but a trust. I trust that the grace that has been extended to me is sufficient for the forgiveness of my sin and for my salvation. I trust God that what he said is truth. But to do that, you got to put aside all these other things that we have that religion has placed on us that, G that uh, Paul is telling the church in Galatia, you've made a whole nother gospel and it's not the gospel at all. Trust has no but. <laughs> you can't say, I trust you, Lord, but. I trust that your righteousness is sufficient for me, but. It doesn't work that way. It's a finished work. Romans 4, 16. So people receive God's promise by having faith. This happens so promise can be a free, so the promise can be a free gift. It's free to us. Somebody paid. But it wasn't us. Grace is a miracle. It's a miracle. It's the greatest miracle, I believe, that takes place inside you. And miracles require faith. Quit trying to understand it or logically reason how it works. Just embrace grace by faith. Embrace grace. I like that. Number three, grace is available to everyone. Grace is available to everyone. Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, God loves you just the way you are. Remember, that's how I got saved. And I gave my life to the Lord, and then I found out he loves me even more. It's like, how can he love me more? He saved me. and He loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you that way. God loves you just like you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Oh, I got things I got to change. I got things in my life, the way I think, the way I act, the, you know, drugs or drinking or, or promiscuous, whatever it is. I have these things in, and, and you know, I, I have to, no, no, that's all, it's all, that's all about you. The more you use the word I, is the, it becomes all about you. God's the one that strengthens you. The fact that you just want to, if you apply faith to the wanting to change your life, God will, through the Holy Spirit, cause you to change cause you to change i've said this story before and i paraphrased it and and told it after i read it but i actually took it word for word 
from where I read it, and I can't remember where, but it's here. So let me read the story. A pastor was on his way out of the church in the afternoon, and there was a man outside waiting on him. The man approached him and asked him some questions about the church and what they believed. He said he was living the gay lifestyle and wanted to know if he was welcomed at his church. The pastor responded with an enthusiastic, absolutely, you are very welcome here. The man went on to say that he was born that way, and the pastor's response was, so was I. I was born full of greed and lust. I was born a liar, and I was naturally good at it. The man said he had never heard this before. The pastor responded and said, Thank God I found a place that let me come as a liar, a greedy person, and full of lust because I was accepted. It allowed Jesus to do his work in me. <laughs> this, this, this story ministered me so much because... People come and, and out of motive, a good motive, you, people tell you, you know, I live, I'm living this lifestyle or I'm doing that. And your first reaction is, you need Jesus, you got to get, and we want to we wanna rescue them. But what are, we, what are we trying to do? We're throwing a, an anchor, There's, they're drowning and we're throwing them an anchor. Wow. When the, what they need is a life raft, something that floats. And what is that? God loves you just like that. I was like that too. When they said I was born that way, so was I. It's like, what an answer. What an answer. Lord, give me the mercy and grace that this pastor had. I want to be like that. The gospel is let everybody come and let Jesus do his work on the inside of you. So my wife and I finally got to see Jesus Revolution uh, Friday. Friday. Went Friday in the middle of the day uh, when only the, the gray-haired people go and the wise, the wise people go. And uh, so we were there, and uh, we watched it, and there was a few things that were said in there that just ministered to me so much. And uh, I, I just, I enjoyed the, how the gospel changed these hippies and how all that, I mean, that was just awesome, and I cried and I laughed and all that. But watching what was happening to the pastor really ministered to me. Because at first, they weren't really accepting of these people. In fact, when she first brings Lonnie into the house, he's freaking out. Right? Who did you bring in the house? What are you doing? He leads, he tells him to go outside. He goes, Can I get you to wait outside? She had already, his daughter had already accepted. And as you watch the, the movie go on and the father's heart change, it changes the heart of his daughter. Because his daughter tells him, I was ready to walk away from my faith. Until this happened. There's no way that God could be this way, that he doesn't accept everyone, even the hippies. She couldn't accept that. And she was right. Walking away wasn't the answer. And then towards the end of the movie, she's leading worship with the hippies, and she's smiling. And, and I, I was just like, wow, Lord. And then, you know, I repented. I said, oh, Lord, forgive me if I put any of that on my kids, you know. Number four, grace comes only through Christ. Grace comes only through Christ. Number four, 
It says, uh, John 1, 17, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. See, here it's not just grace, but truth. For the truth will... Grace... Uh, so the truth will lead you to the door and grace will open it. Right? So you might hear the truth and say, God loves you just like you are. But you got grace is going to say, come on, and open the door for you and let you in. Right? You don't do that. You don't even reach for the knob. <laughs> now, this, this kind of thinking has been taken in such a wrong way in our world today that Christ is the only way. And, you know, we have other religions that say you guys are so narrow-minded. There's so many other ways, and there's so many. And just for the sake of a slight agreement, I always say there are many ways to Christ. There are many ways to Jesus. And that usually makes them go, well, that's not normal, what a Christian would say. But there's only one way to God. Yeah. And that's through Jesus. Yeah. But there's many ways to Jesus. I said, eventually, your addiction or your, you know, uh, your religion, your beliefs that are outside of what God says, all that is going to lead you to Jesus. Then you'll have to make a choice. So there are many ways. People have come to Jesus through many different roads. In different ways of life. And then the next thing is, why are we so close-minded? Because Jesus is the only king that died for his people. All the other kings and prophets or whatever asked their people to die for them. My God died for me. That, 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 is, that is the gospel. Uh, they're having a revival. Uh, I believe it's in the Philippines right now. They're also being attacked. Uh, 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 China's trying to come in there, and there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in the Philippines. But there's revival happening. They're going down by the thousands to the rivers to be baptized and everything else. And, and one of the, the, the Filipino uh, guys that were, I don't know if he was in politics or something, he gets radically saved, and he begins to, he begins to tell people about this God. And I'm thinking, how does somebody not know about God? And they're like, no, there's this God. What do you mean this God? God's the creator of heaven and earth. How do they not know who Jesus Christ is? Everyone should know that. But they don't. There's people all over the world that's never heard the gospel. You know how I know that? Because he hasn't come for us yet. Everyone will hear and everyone will know, right? We need to get to work. I want to go home. <laughs> right? So we say... We say, who want, to go home, you have to die. Who wants to go home? Right? Nobody wants to die now. I got stuff to do. Right? But man, if it's time and we don't actually physically die and we go home, that means that we did our job. We finished what God asked us to do, which was proclaim the gospel. So it's not a narrow-minded way. It's the only way. <laughs> Sounds narrow-minded, right? Romans 5.15, New Century Version says, Many people have received God's gift of life by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ. John 14.6, Jesus answered, I am, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why is he allowed to do that? He's the only one. 
He didn't die for, for something he did. He died for something you did. And God gave him to, gave him. No one took Jesus' life. We're going to talk this, about this in a week or two, right? No one took Jesus' life. He gave it unto us. A son is born unto us. A son is unto us. A child is born unto us. A son is given. Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which he, we, must be saved. Galatians 2.21. Don't treat the grace of God as meaningless. New Living Translation. Don't treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if we could be saved by keeping the law then there would be no need for Christ to die. If we could be saved by keeping this law, Christ would not have had to die. The fact that he did makes us all guilty. <laughs> oh, Jesus, forgive us. Number four, grace is extended throughout all eternity. Grace is extended throughout all eternity. See, Jesus paid for your past sins, for some of you, the ones you're currently doing, <laughs> and the ones you may do in the future. It's all covered. All covered. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Believe. One and only. Believe. One and only. Well, then I guess that because of grace, I can live however I want. Grace is not a hall pass. To live your life in sin. Grace is the strength to do what you deeply want to do, not have to. I think it's a, I think, uh, it's a, uh, a fruit of salvation is the wanting to live right, not the have to. You see people, oh, I, I said the prayer, I'm not going to hell. And then they just keep living however they want, talking however they want. And they have no inner wanting to change, no desire to change their life in any way. My question is, did they really get saved? Did the Holy Spirit really come? Did they really accept the grace that God has extended to them? Grace does not get us off the hook. It changes your motivation for what you do. So what's the result of all this? What's the result of grace? Titus. Well, we don't read there very often, right? Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, it says, For the grace of God, this is what, what, what it does, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation, offers salvation to all people. To all people. Not to the ones that are living right, not to the ones that are... Uh, it offers it to everyone. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. As to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Grace of God has appeared and it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to worldly passions. It it's not something you naturally know. You need a teacher. 
You need someone who's going to guide you. You need someone. If you've ever been in school, even if you made it through high school or, or any, any amount of school, there was something you didn't know before you went to school. And there's something you know now because you went to school. And that's what it's saying. Grace will teach you something you don't know. Quit making up, right? And we're good at that. New math. Two plus two is still four, people. Math is the most absolute thing you could find. <laughs> but we come up with new ways to learn this and new ways to learn that and, and new things about this and new history. And, new, and, and we want to come up with all these new things. You know how many times science has told you, don't eat eggs, eat eggs. Don't eat eggs, eat eggs. If you don't eat eggs, you got to eat eggs, but you, and you can't. No, now you have to eat eggs. Oh, well, don't eat eggs because the cholesterol. Well, now you have to eat eggs. Make up your mind. Right? I like them. I don't care what science says. In moderation, in moderation, of course. But when something is taught to you, you live that way. Right? Especially if you accept it as truth. And that's all that I'm asking here this morning is that you would accept the grace of God as truth. And not only accept it, but extend it to others. If the church can live this way, people would be getting saved by the loads. There would be, you know how revival started? By accepting everyone. Do you know, it almost, it almost went haywire there for a little bit. And Asbury, after about four days, I think it was, three or four days, there was, people kept going up and playing worship music and playing worship music and different little groups. And no, nobody was really controlling what was going on. There was uh, uh, one of the administrators keeping from, you know, getting the room being too full and things like that. People were hanging out outside. But one of the worship groups had a guitarist and a bass player, and they were both gay. Leading worship! They should have hung them from a tree outside. No. No. I don't know what happened to those two, but I can tell you what. You cannot stay the same in the presence of God. But because they lived that lifestyle, people pointed it out. And that's when things started to kind of die out a little bit. And then people said they moved on from that worship team and they went to it and then they started to come back. Why? Everyone, the heathens, the people who were partying the night before, the ones that were buying kegs and having keg parties and, and having fraternity parties or whatever they have in college and all the things that they were doing, right? All that's all of a sudden those people are in the in the sanctuary and they're worshiping God and their people are going, wow. And because they were accepted. I don't know about you, I don't know all the details, but I can tell you there were not any religious people there unless they were repenting of pointing the finger at someone else. They, everyone was accepted. Come into the presence. It's okay. It's all right. Come on in. The doors were open to anyone who wanted to come in. In the, in the movie Jesus Revolution, that's how the revival started. They were accepted and, and what's interesting is by the end of the movie, you know, it's been a year. I think the movie happens in about a year, year and a half or so. It shows how it started and then uh, uh, it shows. I think the movie's more about uh, Greg Lowry and his wife and how they met and how he started his ministry. Can you imagine Greg Lowry gets saved? A year later, Chuck Smith, the pastor of Calvary that has passed away, he hands him keys 
You guys have seen the movie. He hands them keys and says, I bought this old church building that's closed down. They haven't been using it here. And he goes, what would you like me to do? And he goes, I want you to go pastor it. I want you to start your ministry over there. One year, never went to Bible school, never, nothing. He just loved the Lord and knew how to preach the gospel. And Greg Lowry is preaching the gospel in one of the largest churches in our nation and the largest church in California today. And this was back in the 70s. What is he preaching? The gospel. The gospel. The good news. Grace, when you want, when you ought to do, becomes what you want to do. I just want to, before we end, I want to give you a couple of definitions. Grace, the word charis. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Charis Bible College, grace. If you want to learn more about this grace, uh, Andrew Womack has a couple of books on grace, and, and uh, I, I barely touched the surface today, and uh, he, he teaches it better than anyone I know. Grace, charis, it means goodwill, loving kindness, favor of merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise of the Christian virtues. You thought it was by your own power that you want to live like Christ, but it's through grace. Grace is not just forgiveness. Grace is the ability. Grace accepts you and then gives you the ability to be able to live this this life in strong's concordance it says that grace is graciousness of manner or act literal figurative or spiritual especially the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life, including gratitude, acceptable, benefit, favor, gift, joy, liberality, pleasure, and thanksgiving. Grace. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Your grace is sufficient, it says. That word doesn't even come close to meaning what it actually means, which means more than enough. Sufficient just means your need, but the word should be more. Your grace is more than enough to not only forgive us of our sins, but to cause us and strengthen us and empower us to be able to live this life that you want from us. It's for our own good. Not because God is a square. I've never had more fun than I have as a Christian than I did when I was partying. I thought I was having fun until the next morning. I get to be in the presence of God, be filled with the fullness of joy, experience His freedom, His grace, His mercy, and wake up feeling even better the next day. Right? Grace.
Lord, help us. Let's stand to our feet. Help us to live uh, this life of grace, not just in our own lives, that we would remove the do's and don'ts from our lives and live under your grace, Lord, that you would lead us and direct us and strengthen us and empower us to live our lives according to your word. But Lord, more importantly, that we would be able to administer and share this grace with others. Lord, I ask you to forgive me as a pastor and part of the five-fold ministry if I've had any part of making the church a place that's exclusive instead of inclusive. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us that we look upon people with our own eyes and we want something that will fit our mold here. You broke that mold, Lord. Help us to see people the way you see them, with love and grace and mercy, with purpose and destiny. Jesus, Jesus, change the heart of your church. Change the heart of your church into a place where grace is experienced. We want to operate this way, Lord. We want to love like you love. our minds. Renew our minds through today's word. Help us not to see color, race, religion, and thought process, and financial status, and all those things that separate us, Lord. But help us to see everyone under grace. same grace is required to save the criminal as it is to save the CEO. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.